A few nights ago, Neil and I got into a deep discussion about the need for integrity and how it seems to be less and less common in the world and more and more accepted as just the way things are or have to be. We felt strongly that today's episode needed to be on honesty and integrity in business, in our personal lives, and in recovery. Neil shares his perspective as a recovering addict, and I share some examples of business and personal times where I've faced the option to be honest or yield to temptation to cut corners. And we share why we believe honesty really does pay off in the end. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast episode. Hello. I'm here with Neil. And we are going to discuss something that came up for me in business a few days ago, and it reminded me of something that's been a theme in my life, in business. Neil and I got into this big, long, one of those like really good, juicy conversations. Juicy. It was. Till late at night, and I said, we need to do a podcast episode on this. So we are going to talk today about the topic of honesty and integrity. So I want to start this off by a quotation from one of my heroes, Gordon B. Hinckley. This is from a book that I feel like really shaped my teenage years. I've read over and over into adulthood too, but it's Gordon B. Hinckley's Standing for Something, 10 Neglected Virtues That Will Heal Our Hearts and Homes. And he talks about honesty and how honesty is achievable and we must strive for honesty in all that we do. And he says, it is possible to be honest every day. It is possible to live life so that others can trust our words, our motives, and our actions. Our examples are vital to those who sit at our feet as well as those who watch from a distance. Our own constant self-improvement will become as a polar star to those within our individual spheres of influence. They will remember longer what they saw in us than what they heard from us. Our attitude, our point of view can make a tremendous difference. And to me, I remember reading that. I distinctly remember reading that and thinking, Okay, someone who I really trust and admire is telling me it is possible to be honest in everything that you do. Where I think the world shouts that message of, no, everybody everybody cuts corners a little bit. Like everybody does it this way. It's okay to cheat a little here and there or whatever. So I'm not saying that I've been perfect by any means, but this is something that has been kind of an anchor for me. And anytime I have been tempted to not be perfectly honest throughout my life since then. I've, I've always, I go back to this and think, no, it is possible to be honest in everything that you do. So like I said, Neil and I were just talking about this to a lengthy extent the other night, and you had some really cool thoughts about how honesty is a huge component in recovery, right? So can you yeah. introduce that and why? Well, that's kind of the foundation. It has to be the the basis of the program. I mean, really, that's like step one is you you get honest. You basically admit that you're you're powerless over an addiction. And I think the reason why that's so important is because there's so much deception within addiction in order to basically do something that you know is going to be harming yourself. Like you have to you basically have to lie to yourself or justify a lot of behaviors. There's like denial. So that's built up, you know, forever, however long you've been engaging in your, in your addiction. And so breaking through that, it's really, really difficult to get rigorously honest, like completely honest. And I think that's what it requires. And so until you can, and like, until I could kind of get past that, 
there really wasn't any traction in the program. And so much of the early stages of recovery for me was was really breaking through the denial and all of the lies and all that that, that I told myself and led myself to believe in order to be able to get some, you know, to kind of see the difference between when I was lying to myself versus when I wasn't. So I do think it's interesting kind of why we do or why I, you know, I look at myself and I can only speak for myself is I think it can be a coping mechanism. Yeah. You learn to lie to protect yourself, to, you know, get out of uncomfortable, get out of situations. uncomfortable situations yeah. to, you know, whatever the reasons are, I think that it, it, you kind of can learn that early on. And that's something, honestly, that, well, I, ironically, I'm saying honestly, that I, <laughs> that I learned, you know, early on was like bending the truth and skirting around it. And, and that was kind of just became like a normal thing. But you don't realize, I didn't realize, I think until later in life, when I got into, got into recovery, how important just complete rigorous honesty is and how much better life is when you're just being honest about the situation, honest about, you know, on, you know, not lying to yourself or to anybody else. You can deal with things as they really are and as they really will be. And then, you know, you can truly progress. But if it's all coded in lies and, and you know, a sleight of hand and you're hiding out in the shadows, like you, it's just your progression as a individual and as a human being like stops. Well, and I think it's interesting too, to go back to what we talked about the other night with a lot of people see that step one honesty as like you hear people joke about it all the time. Like the first step to recovery is admitting you have a problem which is true, but that it doesn't end there, right? Like it's not just that's just being the willing. basic. I mean, that just gets you in the door, mm-hmm. like to on the path, and then you know you've got a lot of work ahead of you from there. But if that's just the first thing that, like, if you can't even get there, there you're not going to have be successful in in making any headway at all. But talk to me about what the definition in your mind is of rigorous honesty. Like how frequent is it? How how do you have to use that principle in your daily life to stay sober? So much of it for me, again, it comes back to like learned behaviors or, I, you know, it, it, kind of chicken or the egg. Like where, where did it start from? Were you born this way or did you develop this along the way as far as like self-deception or self-dishonesty and you know, so for me, I really, and I think what recovery has helped me to do is to be able to question any motives or question my own thoughts or question myself and be like, okay, where is this really coming from? Like, is there any degree of, you know, self-deception here and manipulation with the situation? Or am I trying to, you know, coerce the situation to to my liking. And I think in step four specifically, there are some of these questions that that it runs you through. When you look at your wrongs or times where you acted poorly, it was like, you know, did I try and control others? How did I try and manipulate the situation to get what I wanted? You know, you're, it asks you all these questions or that, you know, in, in an inventory in order to identify those character defects or weaknesses that may be there that are causing you to do this. So step one is, you know, until you can really get that. And and for me, really what it looks like is, you know, I have to ask myself those questions. I think prayer, you know, having the spirit really helps me to discern what's real and what's not. And then also 
so it's so important for me to reach out and be honest with other people. And, and really, you know, one of my buddies in recovery talks about, you know, I like to run all my, my quote unquote good ideas by my sponsor to find out if they're really good ideas, which most of the time that means like, you know, you're, you're running your, your kind of crazy thoughts by somebody else. And then you recognize as you say them out loud to another person who has your best interest in mind, you recognize how crazy your thinking is, and then you can identify it and course correct. But a lot of times doing that myself, there's so much kind of going on mentally and like it can just be a rough neighborhood, like a little crazy sometimes. So I have to get outside of myself and, you know, talk to someone who shares really strong values and beliefs and, you know, bring the inside out. And then suddenly it, it helps to get a, a gauge on what's real and what's truth and what's just self-deception. And that can be coming from a place of like, you know, self-pity, self-doubt, you know, which is, that's another version of lies and deception or, you know, manipulation and pride and ego and trying to get a, get something in order to kind of feed your own ego and your own selfishness. So I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but this is kind of with recovery, the way that I have to think and approach honesty. Well, in an even more dumbed down sense, I feel like in our relationship, it means... Yeah. Neil's honest with me in every little thing. And I, I think people have a lot of curiosity about, well, how much does he tell you or how are you checking in or whatever? And that's a little bit of another topic as far as me not being codependent on asking you. I really, that's kind of your job to come to me with anything. But I will say that what recovery looks like now is when like little things that bother Neil, just something very minor, he will come to me and say, I have to tell you this because I have to be honest with you if I'm going to stay sober and this ad popped up and it bothered me and I just have to tell you because yeah. I have to be honest with, yeah, with you. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of more of a straightforward approach to how recovery that looks for me. And, and as far as transparency, I learned the hard way after failure, after failure, that in order to be sober and remain in recovery, I can't lie at the same time, um, especially to my wife. Because that, it just creates too much you know, cognitive dissonance was a fancy term that I paid a lot of money going to school <laughs> to learn. Um, but there's so much in, there's too much disconnect in trying to be rigorously honest and in, you know, trying to lie at the same time, it just doesn't work. And so in order to make that happen, I have to be transparent with my wife. And even, so what I try and gauge that on is if there's even a question if there's something that I keep asking myself, like, ah, oh, man, should I, should I say something here? That's usually an indicator that I should. Yeah, anytime you're I asking do. yourself Anytime that, I have to ask that question, it's like, yeah, yes. you, you probably should. Yeah. And I feel like that has improved the trust in our relationship so much. And it's allowed me to just take that when he does come to me with little things and just say, okay, thanks for telling me. Yeah. And, and just by the way, this is a long-term game. Mm -hmm. It's not a short-term game, meaning the short-term results probably are not what you're wanting. Or, you know, I think for me, it was like, man, it's just so much easier just to just say like, look, I'm just not going to say this. It wasn't a big deal. It's not going to happen again. Like, I'm just not going to say anything. I don't want to rock the boat and get into, you know, drama or, or fight or whatever. But in the long term, it would always come back to bite me. So it's kind of flip-flop when you live this way is you're open and transparent and upfront at first. 
and that's uncomfortable in the moment. And it's like, maybe there's a little bit of a, you know, drama or, or it rocks the boat a bit, but the long-term gain is really, it pays off hugely in, in remaining in the right place and having a closer relationship. I agree with that. Well, let's move on to integrity and business. That's something that's kind of what's sparked a lot of this this whole conversation. So why did it spark that? Well, so let's talk about something that I feel like is very commonplace in my, in our line of business. I run the Instagram account. So I guess I say mine because I'm thinking of myself, but I'll start with the story. So when I was about a year into running my blog and Instagram, maybe a year and a half, I had the opportunity to work with someone who appeared to have about twice as many followers on Instagram as I had, and they wanted to do a giveaway. And I was super excited about it because it seemed like a great opportunity. So this company sent me product. I photographed the product. I put the post together. I put the giveaway together. Um, I think there was maybe a discount code involved as well, but I put a lot of work into preparing for this and then launched it. And it was kind of like crickets. I really didn't get what I thought I was going to get, which was like an increase of um, new followers or even just like new eyeballs, new people on my account, which is what I was working really hard for. And at the time I wasn't charging for anything like that. And so it was just me doing it in the hopes that working with someone who had twice the following that I had would return some, you know, new followers, I guess. And it just didn't. And then I was crushed when I found out a few months later that that person had basically bought all, all of their, almost all their following was a fake following. And I remember feeling so disappointed and kind of like I was duped and just making a promise to myself. I mean, I hadn't considered buying fake followers at all up until that point, but just from how icky that made me feel, I was like, I will never do this to someone else and inflate my Instagram following or whatever so that other people think they're working with someone who has X amount of audience when really it's half that big in reality or whatever. And it's something that I've just continually run up against with other people in my industry, just saying that that's totally fine or that that's a business tactic or whatever. And to me, it's just one of those marks of integrity where I never want to put anyone else in the position that I felt like, you know, several years ago. And so this is kind of what Neil and I were talking about the other night and my strong feelings on that and why it's so important to have integrity in your business. And there will be people who will listen to this and they'll disagree with it and feel like that's not a measure of integrity. You have to do what you feel honest and right about. But for me, I just know how that made me feel that first interaction with a business that I felt like wasn't honest about what they presented themselves to be. And I just never wanted to do that to anyone else. So I really love, there's a talk that's kind of, it's, let's see, it's from 2006. So it's a while, a ways back, which is crazy. 2006 feels like it was a couple years ago, but really that was 14 years ago. That's a long time. Yeah. And it's a talk entitled three towels in a 25 cent newspaper. And it talks a lot about business integrity in like the business world and just in the world in general. But he tells two very compelling stories and it's by Richard C. Edgley. So the first story he tells is about when he's a college student and he works at this very nice like ritzy resort for the summer as a college student. And then he comes home, he drives all the way home in this car that's like 
basically about to break down and it's a long journey home, several hundred miles. And he gets home and in the back seat, he had taken three of the resort's towels. And he says, these are the type of towels you can't buy. And he says that his dad just looks at him and is just disappointed and says something to the effect of like, I expected more from you. So a few days later, he gets his car fixed up and makes the long journey back and returns the towels, those three towels, and then makes that long drive home. And he talks about how that was an expensive but really important lesson to learn as a young, you know, as a young adult. And then years later, he's in Chicago O'Hare Airport, and he's with some guy who had just made millions selling his company. And this guy puts 25 cents into like a newspaper dispenser. And then he starts handing out the newspaper to all the other people that he's with, having only paid for one copy. And he tries to hand it to Richard Edgley. And Richard says back, you know, my integrity is worth more than 25 cents. He was like, for a dollar, maybe. But 25 cents, no. And, you know, he was kind of just making a joke of it. And then he said, as he walked away, he sees this man stuffing quarters into the <laughs> into the machine. Yeah. But but it's just an example of, you know, how much is your integrity worth? And this is something, too, that my dad taught me from a young age. You know, he always taught me, both my parents, but I, I distinctly remember my dad talking about integrity in business and that it's never worth selling out you know, for a shortcut or for the cheater's way, like those things catch up to you, first of all. And second of all, you know, he told me a story about how he at one point in his career had to decide if he was going to do something where he was peer pressured to basically, you know, have to cheat to keep up or, you know, turn down an opportunity. And he, he just decided that he couldn't square with himself doing something that would make him feel like his integrity was compromised. So he moved on to a different career opportunity. And I've always really admired that about my dad. And I feel like, you know, our kids are watching us too. And I, they might not know if I went out and bought a hundred thousand fake followers on Instagram to try to like inflate my business so that it, so that I look more appealing to get more campaigns with more companies or whatever. Maybe my kids won't know that. But if if you get into that lifestyle, it's kind of like what Neil was saying with recovery. If you start cutting corners, it's just easier to keep cutting corners. And I think that our kids are watching, the people who are working with you are watching. And it's just, to me, it's never, my integrity is worth more than the 25 cent newspaper. I noticed to varying degrees, times when I have been dishonest or like deceptive or whatever, or maybe a little lie here, a little lie there, a big lie. I think every time, like it does have an effect on me spiritually. I, I do feel every time a little, a little just like less connected, like less good about myself. And I think that can all add up to a lot. And so it, it does have a big effect. And I, th I think, I mean, just kind of observing the whole development of Mintero and kind of what you've done with it. One thing that I think have a lot of people, you know, hopefully you're okay with me saying this. A lot of people don't know about major campaigns that you've passed up that have, you know, have been really 
potentially could have been really, really good for our business, like amazingly good. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it just wasn't a right fit or it wasn't a product that, you know, resonated or you felt like would be good, um, like serve the audience well. And so you've passed up those opportunities and even, you know, I'm kind of like, man, maybe should we do that? Like, that's, you know, but <laughs> you then sure you can't wash your like, hair with that shampoo. You just, don't you like that? Like, yeah. you, you just try it a little bit and see if it, <laughs> if it grows on you. You know, it's, but, but I think that in the end, like that is why I look at from an outsider standpoint, I think why, why I see the success that you've had and the, the relationship that you have with the audience is because of that integrity. So it's just an observation, but a lot of times, as far as business goes, I think, I mean, I, I will flat out say there, have, I was in sales before in my, my last career. And there were times where I was like coached to be dishonest right. or a little deceptive. I mean, I, I think there were even books of like how to, how to be deceptive and selling and like how to manipulate someone. I mean, like so much of the sales game can be that way. It's, I'm not going to say it's all like that, but, but I think that you know, a lot of the people that I saw that were really successful, um, or some of the people that I saw that, you know, I'd be compared to, they're like, oh, you know, so-and-so is like this. And, you know, he's, he's a little, you know, a little deceptive here and there and, and kind of the implication of like, I should be more like that. And so I think that we can be trained in that way and kind of encouraged in roundabout ways to be, dishonest in our business dealings and that that's kind of like an accepted practice in a lot of ways within business deals or, you know, like that's the norm. That's kind of the norm. And it's like, well, you know, business is business. Like that's kind of the term of like business is business. Like we do whatever, you know, and, and that's kind of like a, an underhanded way of just saying like, look, it's okay. Like the rules are, the rules are different when we're doing business. Um, but, but that's kind of a question that I've had to ask myself and is like, should they be? You know, like, should it be any different? Well, there's a quotation that goes along really well with what you're talking about from that three towels and a 25 cent newspaper talk. And we'll link that talk in the show notes. But he says, sadly, some of the greatest missing values in today's world are honesty and integrity. In the past few years, an increasing number of business leaders have been exposed for dishonesty and other forms of bad behavior. As a result, tens of thousands of loyal long-term employees have lost their livelihoods and pensions. For some, this has resulted in a loss of homes, change of education, and other life plans. We read and hear of widespread cheating in our schools with more concern about receiving a greater degree than learning and preparation. We hear of students who have cheated their way through medical school and are now performing complicated procedures on their patients. The elderly and others are victims of scam artists, often resulting in the loss of home or life savings. Always this dishonesty and lack of integrity are based on greed, arrogance, and disrespect. And I also want to echo what you said a second ago, too, about when when you just succumb to a little bit of temptation to even if it's a small lie, I feel like what you're saying about you lose the spirit, you lose that ability to be more in tune and have the spirit, you know, be really sharpened spiritually. It becomes more dull. It becomes more distant when you're not committed to integrity and and when you don't have honesty as your polar star. Yeah. Yeah. You start to lose that a little bit. And I, you know, and I think there's that sense of humanity. There's a sense of like, you know, when, when you lie to somebody or you're deceptive with somebody, like you can feel it, like the relationship is harmed 
on mm-hmm. some level. And it's, you know, and, and when the other person is carrying on believing a certain set of ideas about the situation and about you and how you're presenting yourself, that is inaccurate because of, you know, being dishonest. And this, I'm going to say this, like this comes from experience as far as me being on the wrong side of the coin, like of, of making mistakes and doing this and, I have and to, recogni- yeah. recognizing how harmful that, you know, that can be. Like I, you know, as far as like, you know, yeah, I, there are times where I've, you know, was dishonest in school or, you know, copied somebody's paper or like, you know, I've done stuff like that. And so it's coming from that standpoint and recognizing and learning kind of the hard way that you can't cheat your way th- through things and and expect to get the growth and progression that you would have had had you been honest and done it the correct way. And eventually, from my experience, I've had to go back and and re kind of redo and relearn and regrow during those times or in those times where I have been dishonest. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that too. I I want to make that really clear. I'm not saying like I've always been perfectly honest. That would ironically be a lie. But as <laughs> <laughs> That sounds really funny. Yeah, but just like you're saying, you know, I've learned some of those hard lessons and and learned you know, sometimes from my own interactions or from interactions of others, just, you know, what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And like you were saying too, you know, we want to believe in humanity and I want to believe that most people are honest. Most people have good intentions. Most people are trying to do unto others what they would want done to them. I really do believe that, but I think we, we have to be willing to have these conversations and have, hold ourselves to higher standards. You know, even in bringing up this topic as a possible podcast topic, Neil was a little bit like, oh, I don't know, Corinne, do you want to, do you want to rock that boat? And then we had kind of a lengthy discussion about why are we so hesitant to talk about something like this? Because it's not cool because the world has dictated that, you know, it might offend somebody if you call people out on dishonest practices or, or if you suggest that certain things aren't honest or aren't Um, Yeah. yeah. Or that you're trying to set yourself up as, you know, the authority figure on honesty and integrity or mm -hmm. the poster child of it, which is is absolutely what we're not, you know, we're not trying to do that. But I think it's just recognizing the importance of it. It was really eye-opening to have this conversation and talk about it and then look at the examples in my life and different interactions in personal relationships and then also in business where I've just been like, man, this is kind of widespread you know, widely accepted as the norm. Like, okay, yeah, everyone just kind of does this. Like, you know, how, I can't think of how many times where it's like, hey, just tell them, you know, tell them this. Like, even just little lies. Like, hey, just tell them that you were late because of et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or how many times I've been pulled over and it's like, hey, do you know how fast you're going? It's like, uh, no, no, I just wasn't even paying attention. It was like, <laughs> now nah, it's going 86, you know, 65, you know. Those times where it's like, and and this, I think was a big moment for me. I actually did get pulled over a month, probably a month or so ago to before the whole COVID thing. And, um, just wasn't paying attention, going too fast, cop pulled me over. And I, I really didn't know how much, how fast I was going, but honestly, because of recovery, because of like knowing this, like in the past, I would have probably come up with some story like my record's really clean it would have been easy to be like hey man you know I just this happened I really was wasn't paying attention blah blah blah. 
I basically just told him, I'm like, hey, man, you know what? I know that I was driving too fast. And I know that I was speeding and was just up front with him. Luckily, I was going to deliver some some Book of Mormons to the elders <laughs> or go pick some up from Did the elders. Did you tell him that? No, I didn't. Oh. And I should have. I, I don't, you know, I wasn't trying to like, again, I was just trying to be totally honest and be like, look, I was speeding, you know, this is what it was. But he just wrote me a warning. But it was one of those moments where it's like, typically in those situations, like, especially where you're on the hook for something, like the temptation would have been, and and quite honestly, there have been so many times where I've I've actually done that, where I've just, you know, bended the truth or manipulated the truth or flat out lied. Um, but it does affect you. And and I think in those situations and, and in that situation was kind of a reminder to me of like, look, just, you know, you can be honest and it's okay either, you know, to accept the circumstances or a lot of times you're pleasantly surprised, like, because I was honest there was a more favorable outcome. Didn't he say something term. to you too? Um, no, but I've had that happen before where I've been like just straight up with, I've had a few speeding tickets in my life. <laughs> and, but the times where I've been straight up with them, I'm like, Hey man, I, you know, they're like, Hey, thanks for one of them. I was, I was on my motorcycle going to see Corinne and I, you know, it was a sport bike, kind of a faster one. A bullet bike. And he, I pulled over, pulled, you know, turned off my bike, put the license on there, you know, totally just was like, Hey, you know, I'm like, yeah, I was going fast. He's like, Hey, thanks for stopping. You know? Cause I think a lot of times dudes were taken off on these and running from the cops. But it, again, <laughs> like the dishonesty component, what I'm trying to say is that there are, I think we have this fear of being honest because of the consequences, but oftentimes it's the exact opposite that there are more favorable or good consequences that come because of the honesty or being honest in the moment. I think too, you've got to remember if you believe that there's a life after this, what is your integrity worth as far as, you know, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? What Neil and I had a very interesting conversation the other day too about in the next life, will people know who was being honest or or who had like good intentions with others? And he was talking about how he really believes that you know, in the next life, you'll be able to kind of see and you'll be able to tell who was honest with you, who had good intentions and whatever. And, and again, I think most of humanity, I think most people are good people. And I think it's really important to, to do what Jeffrey R. Holland says and assume the good and doubt the bad in others. But at the same time, if you're doing any kind of introspection, thinking about what do I want people to know about me in the next life if kind of who I am and my true colors are exposed, you know? And even just if you are squaring with God one day, you know, do you feel like you're honest, you were honest in your dealings and that you were good to people? And those are the type of things that I try to really think about when I think about who I am and what I'm doing. And if I feel like I'm going to be proud of the life that I lived and, you know, looking back at who I was and what I did. And one of the cool things too about working the 12 steps, which is something that I did too, not just Neil, um, is you have it, you get an opportunity to make amends with people and make wrongs right and go back and try to apologize or make things right. And, you know, here's one example. I, this is kind of an embarrassing thing to admit, but my parents gave me a credit card when I was in college. And I remember having one friend who said to me, oh, your parent, like, it's fine. You can just, you know, charge whatever you need to on there. Like your parents probably aren't even paying attention and they make plenty of money. Like they can, you know, 
I don't, it was something to that effect. And <laughs> I kind of was like, yeah, sure. Okay. And my parents caught me and, you know, they at first didn't say anything. And then finally my dad kind of pulled me aside and said, um, well, you're kind of taking advantage of this and using it for things that were outside of what it was intended for and what we agreed upon. So, you know, you've lost your privilege here. And I was super embarrassed about it. And, you know, years later, when I made amends to my parents, when I did my 12 steps, I just sat in their kitchen and tried to recall some of the things that I knew I needed to apologize for. And that was one of the things. And I just cried. I remember just feeling, you know, embarrassed again, but also just humbled to try to square with them on some of these things that I felt like I had done that I wanted to make right. And, you know, they were so loving, so accepting. Um, and I feel like that that's like a small version of what it's going to be like with our Heavenly Father. Like he knows when we're trying and he knows when we want to get better. And there's so much forgiveness and love there when we want to turn a corner and do the right thing. And it's cool when I think about that experience of that it almost felt like a mini version of what will happen someday when we see our Heavenly Father and when he, you know, accepts our amends to try to make things right or apologize or do the right thing. So, you know, I think that's always, that's a part of the 12 steps. That's a part of life. That's a part of progression. That's a part of learning. And so um, I want to make sure to include that too, that it's not just like, oh, if you've told a lie before, or if you've done anything that you kind of know is shady that like now you're a bad person. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, we would all be bad people, honestly, if that was, because <laughs> no one's, no one's been perfect at that. I absolutely have not. And, you know, but I, I think, yeah, I, I do think, I don't know, my own personal belief, there's some scriptures of, you know, talking about your sins being shouted from the rooftops and, and all things will be known. And then, you know, there will be a, a judgment at the, at the end of this life. And you hear people talk about, you know, their life flashing before their eyes in diff different situations or so I, I don't know. I, I kind of am at a point now where I'm, I'm trying to live more in a way that kind of coincides with the idea of everyone's going to see what I'm doing, you know, and, and at one point or another, and that's kind of what I learned, I think, in recovery and in my life in general, is that eventually the truth will come out. And it's just yeah. a matter of time. It's, it's, you know, and that's what you see in a lot of these different scandals or things that blow up. Eventually something happens and some truth comes out and there's a big, you know, scandal about it or, you know, something happens eventually. And, and, you know, it may not be until this life is over, but eventually all things will be known mm -hmm. and, and the truth will come out. And so um, I think it's kind of caused me to live try and live a different life. And, and it, you know, in those moments where you, there's kind of a concept of like, oh, nobody's looking or, oh, this won't matter, trying to do the th the right thing regardless or live, you know, honestly, regardless of the situation and who's watching. Um, and so that's something that, again, I, I'm striving for, but it's not perfect. I'll, I'll be the, for the first to admit that. Um, but I think it's a change of heart, right? It's a change of heart of looking at honesty. What your desire and, is. Yes. Know. And and that are you truly striving to have your integrity be worth more than 25 cents? You know, 3,025 yeah. cent newspaper. And that's the standard that I try to live by now is I don't want anything that I'm doing to be, I, I don't want to be a sellout. You know, I don't ever want to look at an opportunity where I could 
get out of an uncomfortable situation or maybe increase somewhere or or look good or right, like appear or, better to others or something or supposedly like take an easier way or a quicker way in my experience there's no quick way to the top you know it's people who really really do well in the long term they work hard and they're I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't actually think there's a silver bullet out there. I don't actually think there are great ways to cheat the system. I think that, like you were saying, they all catch up to you in the end. All the truth Mm. comes out in the end. And the thing that I think is actually the most important of all of this, I really think that if you are going to put your trust in God and rely on him to increase your ability to be successful or in whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, then you've also got to show him that you're willing to be obedient. And I mean, honesty is like one of the 10 commandments. It's a very basic principle and it's achievable. If we go back to that first thing that I read from Gordon B. Hinckley, it is possible to be honest in all your dealings. And here's one other quotation that I love from that three tells in a 25 cent newspaper Um, Richard Edgley says, there will never be honesty in the business world, in the schools, in the home or any place else until there is honesty in the heart. And that's what it really comes down to, right? Do you strive to be honest in your heart? Are you willing to do things that are a little bit uncomfortable or may, may put you at a little bit of a disadvantage? And I promise you that when you do those things, even if it feels like you're giving up a good opportunity or you're, you know, maybe taking the long road instead of the short road, that those are the things that God takes and magnifies. Every little place that you show trust in him and that you're going to choose the hard thing and choose the hard route and choose the more honest route, I promise you that he takes those and he multiplies your efforts. You know, if you make God your business partner, he's the best business partner you can possibly have. So that's that's kind of my last thought about this. What are your thoughts, Neil, concluding our talk? Well, I like that idea of honesty begins in the heart because I think that it really is inside out. And I mean, there's different, uh, I've been reading the seven habits of highly effective people and they talk about a like a personal victory first. Or a private victory before a public victory. Um, and there's other quotes and things that I love that talk about, you know, things come from the inside out. And that, I believe that. And so I think in order to be honest and with other people, first, I have to be honest with myself. And that's the most important thing. And, and that's the one that's so hard is to recognize, you know, self-deception and to see like, man, I am lying to myself. And so I think, again, I, I think getting that out, bringing the inside out and and talking those things out loud or saying them out loud to someone who shares, you know, those those common values and, and holds honesty and integrity, you know, on, on a pedestal, it kind of creates more clarity. And I think, you know, with my wife and, and communicating those things and just saying, hey, this is what I'm thinking and feeling and, and you know, being humble enough to accept the fact that you will get honesty back of like, yeah, that is a dumb idea or like <laughs> that's you're being an idiot or, you know, whatever or, you know, and, and being willing to accept the fact that I could be wrong or am wrong. I think there's a lot of honesty. I think honesty and humility go hand in hand. I think yeah. you kind of can't have one without the other. I don't know that I can have pride and ego 
and be honest at the same time. Um, so it's something again, and, and in that light, it's like, man, this is like, this is a constant challenge and a constant balance and, you know, checks and balances that I have to maintain in order to do that. But the end result is the long game is as a person becoming the person that God intended me to become and helping others and serving others and having, you know, all these opportunities and blessings in my life, all the things that I want in my life are going to stem from that in the long run. But a lot of times it takes a contrary action or doing the exact opposite of what I feel like in the moment, which is, man, it's just easier to lie. Let me just do, you know, um, so I don't know, just some final thoughts that I have. Yeah. I love that. So just in closing, I'm going to read one last scripture from the Bible, John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You know, I think there really is so much just freedom. If you feel lighter when you're honest, even if it feels uncomfortable for a second, it's just the better way to live. And I love that it's like one universal truth among all belief, religion, values, principles, because it's, you know, it's one of those things that it does set you free. It does make you happy. It does lead you to living a better, more, more fulfilled, more joyful life. Yeah, absolutely. I love that scripture. Um, one final quote that I'll share. This is actually from the Addiction Recovery Program or ARP Program Manual of the church. And you can actually find this in the Life Help section on the Gospel Library app. You can download the whole 12-step recovery uh, or ARP manual. But this is in step 10, and it's quoting Elder Joseph B. Worthlin. He was one of the 12 apostles at one time. And he says, we can all benefit by looking deep inside our hearts during reverent moments of worship and prayer and asking ourselves this simple question, am I true? The question becomes more powerfully useful if we're completely honest with our answers and if it motivates us to make repentant course corrections that keep us on the path of faith. I love that just because at the end of the day, that's one of the greatest blessings that I love about, you know, striving for honesty and working to be more rigorously honest is that in those quiet moments with myself, um, there's nothing to the core of me that I know. I know that I'm true. I know that there's nothing that's off or that, you know, if I was called upon to die at this moment that I would question, um, and be like, man, I haven't resolved this or I haven't done that and, and or I'm lying here. There's some, you know, deep, dark secret that hasn't been revealed. There's there's those moments where you can look yourself straight in the mirror and, and know I'm true and there's nothing holding me back. Um, so it's a beautiful feeling. It's a great thing. Um, but I think it takes ongoing striving, you know, in our lives to be able to, to maintain that standard. Yeah. Well, thanks for having this discussion with me today. I, Absolutely. It's I feel a good like one. It was, yeah, I feel like it was a good one to talk about. And even if, you know, only our kids get to listen to this someday, hopefully yeah. it will help them and, you know, help some other people too. So thanks you guys. And we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. 
And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. 